Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Modern Horse Training, A Constructional Guide to Becoming Your Horse's Best Friend, and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. This is part two of a conversation that was sparked by the online coaching sessions that I host once a month for people who are registered in my online clinics. We were talking about balance, but that's no surprise. We're always talking about balance. But embedded in that conversation was a discussion of resets. In part one, we defined resets. We discussed their importance, how they are taught, and how they are used. And we stopped just as we were getting to shaping on a point of contact and the why would you leave me lesson. Before we pick up where we left off, I'll just remind you that my new book, Edgar, The Bear Who Wanted to Be Real, has just been published. You can order it from my website, theclickercenter.com, and also from Amazon. Help me make my children's books an Amazon bestseller by ordering copies for all your young readers. And now let's jump back into the conversation about the Why Would You Leave Me lesson. You were looking at Why Would You Leave Me? Oh, yes. So I don't know. Well, I'll so, just tell what really caught my attention yes. and then maybe we can rewind and explain the whole thing because I think there's a lot uh, to be said about this exercise. And there's a link with the resets, but yeah, so you said that the girl we were looking at presented a different point of contact. Yes. And I really like the way, and, and it happens all the time. You know, when I was talking about Woody before, even with the targeting, you can you can present a different point of contact. Right. It's a different right. point of contact, whether you place it here or here. But in the rope handling, it becomes even more true in a way because you do go to a point of contact and then you wait there for something to happen. But if the point of contact that you present is not optimal, you want to reset. Do it yes. again so that you can present another point of contact. And in this case, the handler was going to extend her arm and present the point of contact because her horse was kind of over flexed and kind of crowding her. And so she presented the point of contact with her arm extended and then the horse was perfect. Yes. But I, I really, this idea of presenting a different point of contact for me really resonated. It, it really hit home. But this, this exercise, I think, because there's lots of resets in this exercise, why would you leave me? And I don't know if we've talked about it. I don't think not that much, I think, because there's a very interesting image that you present to people when they're doing this exercise, because in a way it's a targeting exercise, but there's no real target involved. Right. There's an Im imaginary box. Do you want to talk about that right. a little bit? Because so, I find know, this image really, really helpful. It's easy to carry this image afterward yes. once you've yes. been exposed to it. The clip that I pulled was actually from the DVD, DVD. The Why Would You Leave Me Lesson. So people do have access to that. 
uh, and the why would you leave me lesson it's it's really it is about the horse staying connected staying with you it is not a foundation lesson and a lot of people do try and they think of it because it looks so simple you know, you're just walking around a circle and your horse mm -hmm. is staying with you so it should be a foundation lesson but it's not a foundation lesson because you need the foundation lessons in order for the why would you leave me lesson to work smoothly and and like everything else the more prep you have the more component skills you have in place the easier the smoother the more elegant the lesson becomes mm. so you can think of the why would you leave me which way do I take in terms of explaining this? First of all, when I first started to use it in clinics and gave it a name, mm. and names I discovered a long time ago change everything. Give something a name and it becomes so much more real than it mm. was beforehand. And, and people would say to me, well, that doesn't sound like a really clicker training sort of name. Why would you leave me? That sounds sort of negative. Mm. And, and I thought about changing it you know oh stay with me lesson or something but i really like the question of why would you leave me you know you're you're leading this horse who's not staying with you who's pushing through you to get back to the gate or who's bowing out as you go around the circle to get to the other horses or, you know, whatever it is. Or maybe just drifting a little bit because he's out of balance. That's right. That's right. So I think it's a really important question to be asking. Why would my horse leave me? Am I working in an environment that's too challenging for this horse? Well, if that's the case, I need to change the environment. And why would my horse leave me? Because he's afraid of the far end because he wants to get to the other horses because they've started passing out dinner back mm. in the barn and he can hear it because his friends were just turned out you know because there's grass along the edge and he wants to get to the grass there so there are reasons that my horse would leave me because he wants to get to something he wants and there are reasons my horse would leave me because he wants to get away from things that he's not comfortable with and, and I need to be aware of what's going on in the environment that is making it difficult for my horse to stay with me. And are these things that I can change? You know, let me change those things that I have some degree of control over. And we do it, we have control over a lot. You know, if it's a matter of, well, they just started to pass out dinner in the barn, and I could say, well, he just has to tough it out because, because this is when I want to work. Or I could say, well, you know, let me go let him have his dinner and I'll work in half an hour. No, I'll go visit with my friends and we'll work later. We have a lot of control over a lot of things. Eventually, what will, you know, if I make some adjustments, what I may discover is that there really aren't any real reasons why my horse would want to leave me. You know, that I'm working in the part of the arena where he's not worried about the goblins. You know, all of, I've made good choices in terms of setting up an environment that works well as a classroom and and so now we have the why would you leave me preliminaries so one of the preliminaries might be to have a, a target or a target stick 
and set up a circle of cones and to teach my horse to follow an actual target around the circle of cones. And it's certainly a very basic lesson, very common lesson. Lots of people have done this, but it's not where I want to remain, in part because frequently when horses follow targets, it gets them on the forehand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you said that the last yeah. time we talked yeah. about it. Yeah, and, and it's true. And I don't always want to have to carry a target. Mm. So what I, in the Why Would You Leave Me DVD lesson, I walk around a circle of cones explaining the lesson, and I'm carrying a cardboard box. Mm. Not a very box. big box. Just Not a very big box. Maybe, maybe a 12 inches by five inches high box. Yeah. Yeah, a, a, a small a small yeah. cat could curl up inside of it. Small yeah, yeah. cat. Okay. It's not a big box. The reason for carrying a box is I wanted to emphasize that a box has three three dimensions. It, you right. know, it has it has volume. So you have the width of the box, you have the the depth of the box, you have the length of the box. And what I'm visualizing is that I'm I'm imagining that this box is floating along beside me in space. So it's an imaginary box. You're, I'm holding a real box to help you with the visualization. But when you're working the horse, it's an imaginary box. And I want my horse to put his nose in this imaginary box. And of course, since it's an imaginary box, I'm the only one who knows how big the box is mm. and where the box is. Right. And but because it is a box, if my horse comes and puts his nose lined up well with the box, but he's low, his nose is he's he's walking with his head lower than I want it, well, his nose is below the box. And mm -hmm. so I would be sliding up the lead rope and saying to the horse, Why would you leave me by dropping your head? And or maybe the the horse has his uh, nose he's at, at the right height, but now his nose is outside of the box. Maybe he's outside, uh, his nose is moving to the right when he's uh, tracking to the left. So he's got his nose away from me. And I would slide up the lead rope again and say, why would you leave me by taking your nose away from the box? And as you work, so that the horse becomes better and better at keeping his nose right where that imaginary box would be, then you can make the box smaller and smaller and smaller. So you become more and more precise in where you would like him to place his nose and how you would like him to organize the rest of his body around that particular balance point, that point of contact. And in the DVD lesson, one of the lessons, one of the video clips that I pointed out was, I was really, oh, such a pretty Dutch warm blood, four white socks, all that, you know, the elegant carriage. He's just a beautiful horse. And he's mm. being handled by a very skilled handler. Mm. But he's got all of that wonderful flexibility that warm bloods can have and and he's a young horse and he's comfortable in his body. And so as she asks him to soften to the side, he 
over flexes. So uh, and it, there's this wonderful screenshot where he's got his nose right in front of her face and she's kind of leaning back a little bit because she's feeling crowded by this great big plane of this this horse's face because he's a big horse. So his, his head is you know, the size of her torso. And, but he's being very polite and then he's, mm -hmm. you know, he's not touching her. <laughs> he no. said, I'm trying really hard to, yeah. to be your dance partner. And here I've got my head bent around to the side, but we're both feeling just a little jammed up here and it's clearly not right. So the change that she made was the next time as she was sliding down to ask for the gift, she, instead of bending her elbow, which was bringing him around too much to the side, she used a bone rotation to keep her arm more extended. And the, the phrase that, that Sarah used that I always liked was she posted him out. And I always liked that phrase. So she kept her arm extended, presenting that different point of contact. And that different point of contact, he then Instead of leaning, he instead of coming too far around, he had to organize his body, pick himself up, move forward enough that he could get up in front of her and then soften and give. And what you get is a much, 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 much better lateral step from him, much prettier, much better balanced, much more functional both for him and much more functional in terms of the performance work that she's going to want to ask of him. And it's just a matter of, you know, of moving the box, you know, instead of saying the box is, is right here in front of me, I'm going to move it further out uh, around the circle. And that changed how he met her and associated with her as they traveled around the circle. So there was a, in the coaching session, there was a horse that was similarly very flexible like that. And he yes. was also over flexing. And this is why we started talking about the resets, because she was the, the participant was asking, you know, what do I do? Yes. What is a What is a reset? What is a what reset? Do I, what do, do I have to I back do? up? To yeah. reset was her question, I think. Yeah. And this, this is how we got into the reset discussion. The other thing that it brought up, because he was, he was over flexing, but he was, he was also taking his haunches inside. Right. And so the other, the other discussion that we had was that horses have all these different parts that can go in different directions. Yes. And that we should look at our horses not as a big unit, but as a drill team. Yes. Want to talk about that a yeah. little bit? So, um, so what was happening with this, and what's so interesting that this, this the horse that we were looking at in the coaching session was doing very similar things to the Dutch warm blood gelding, and yet she's a quarter horse. And yeah, I just was so tickled breed. by, you know, these are two... <laughs> completely different types of horses and yet they both had a similar body use and that the discussion was the same whether it was a quarter horse or a Dutch warm blood and 
and and we're looking at nuances, these subtle changes that really help horses to become organized in the whole drill team. So if we if we think about a horse as a drill team, you think of it like a marching band. And you've got the head and the neck at the head of this band, and then you've got the shoulders and the rib cage, the torso, and the hindquarters. And at first, it can be a very unruly marching band. You know, you're trying to keep everybody organized and you're trying to go through, you know, complex patterns, turns, and so on. And various parts of the marching band are going off in different directions or they're colliding with one another because they're out of balance. And very often when you are working with horses that are not well balanced and do not have good body awareness, it really does feel like a marching band where different parts of the band really are bumping into one another. And the horse tries to take a step forward and he can't because he runs into himself. Mm -hmm. uh, and while that can sound very silly and uh, you know, as an image, the cartoon image, it can feel exactly like that. Especially around circles and turns. Yeah. Yeah. And um, to step over when we ask them to step over. Yeah. Yeah. So we you think of the this the horse as a marching band that you are where you you're working to get all of the elements organized and working together and working as a collaborative whole. And what we saw initially was that when this particular horse took a step forward, and particularly as she was feeling the the handler's hand and she's a very light horse so it's it's kind of like taking a car and running it into a wall and you know the car may crumple or it may sort of slide back and forth and so she's she's coming up against the handler's hand and some of her energy is sending her her shoulders in one direction and her hips in another direction and she ends up with bends that are a little odd, shall we say. So instead mm -hmm. of being in a true shoulder in and a true haunches in, she's got shoulders going one way, hips going another way, and nothing's quite quite working out the way that you want it to. So you reset all of that. You know, you just say, let's rewind that. That didn't quite come out the way we wanted. Let's rewind it and try again. And as you reset it, it gives her an opportunity to rebalance and to find a balance that will then allow her to come forward where the, the drill team is more organized. And then you can click and reinforce that. Because in, in the work when you leave me, sometimes you just ask again, which is yeah. not the same thing as a reset. Because Correct. the reset, you will go back to the beginning. So you will back up in the reset. Whereas in the why would you leave me, you continue to go around and you ask again and ask again, and you decide when you want to click. But you use the, the, the reset, the reversibility of the movement. You do it again from the beginning. One of the great, the huge advantages of clicker training is it allows us to 
insert an enormous number of resets. So suppose I've just been going around in the, why would you leave me? And I, I use a circle of cones. So the, the horse is going around the circle and the advantage of the circle, the reason for the circle is that uh, a circle has no beginning and end. Mm -hmm. So you can just keep going. If you originally in the first edition of the step-by-step -step book, the, the why would you leave me lesson hadn't really emerged as the why would you leave me lesson. And we're doing something very similar, but it was with a straight line of cones. And mm -hmm. the the disadvantage of a straight line of cones is you get to the end of them. And then yeah. you have to figure out how to turn around and go back the other way. And particularly if you've got a horse where you're in the early stages or, or a handler, in a particular case, it was more the, you know, the handler who was trying to figure out certain things. Um, it's just easier if it's a circle. Okay, so you're going around the circle and you get a clickable moment and treat and now you're going to start up again in that start up again you have the possibility of resetting and and starting up again so every time you click you are creating an opportunity for a reset so if when you start out you're not satisfied with how you started out you can reset it and ask again as oh. long as you taught it before, right? Right. As a non-punitive dance right. step, like right. we said at the beginning of this conversation. And what tends to happen is people don't use resets enough because, because we live in a punitive society. They're afraid of course will feel like that. Yeah, we're afraid of, you know, we're afraid of correcting. So, and, and the more we want to be kind and gentle and positive with our horses, the more we don't want to correct. Well, sometimes a correction is, you know, punishment. And sometimes a correction is simply a change, you know. It's when kind I'm, of repetition or, I, you know, it's, it's not, not an exact repetition, it's, but it's, it's not anything punitive. I'm, I'm about to launch the next children's book, and I'm really? going. To, yeah, yeah. So, so Edgar is Edgar the bear who wanted to be real. It's going to be coming out. In fact, by the time we publish this podcast, Edgar will probably already be published, and you can go to Amazon wow. or my website to look for it. Um, this is a sneaky way to put a plug in. Uh, but the point of it is that I'm I'm proofreading and I'll come across something where I'll want to make a, a change. Oh, didn't didn't spot that comma. Uh, put it in, take it out, whatever it is. Oh, you know, the computer, um, <laughs> the, compu the, the artificial intelligence of the computer has changed something yet again that I didn't want done that way. I'm, I'm getting so tired of the computer second guessing me you know, mm. things like edgar which is spelled e-d-g-r-r -R, is not edgar e-d-g-a-r mm. or some other version i did intend to spell it that way computer leave it alone so you know i'm i'm going through it and i'm making corrections they're not 
punitive in any way. So, you know, the it's how are we defining the term correction? You know, am I correct with that sort of sense of punishing? This is a correction, punitive, correctional facility, all of that sort of thing. Or is it simply, I've seen something that I would like to alter and I'm making that change. So in the reset, I think we, we have to really think about, you know, how, how do you view it so that the resets come out as something functional? If you view the reset as a correction, as in my horse is doing something bad and unwanted that I have to stop, then you may be reluctant to correct your horse. Because if you correct your horse, it can be seen as I failed as a handler because my horse needed a correction. Or my horse is being bad because he needed a correction. You know, there are all of these. Or he's stupid because he's not getting it. Yeah. You know, so you think about the, we'll call it the Puneer Society way of looking at Alex is telling me I need to reset my horse and I'm reluctant to do so because it will reveal some flaw in my training that I'm having to reset. Or we can look at it as simply, I'm refining, I'm refining, I'm refining, I'm refining. And the more I make use of the resets, the more I will be reinforcing them. And so more I reinforce them, the more they become just another dance step, and the more my horse will regard them as just part of the flow, part of the dance step, because he's been reinforced so many times for shifting his balance and starting up again, shifting your balance, starting up again. He's so familiar with it. He's been reinforced so much for it. And so if I'm Doing a lot and there's of probably Alex too. I mean, if you do this for half an hour, it's not the same as if you do resets for three minutes. Now we talked about the drill before, the yeah. difference between drilling your horse. And so resets, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of nuances that can make them more or less enjoyable for the yeah, horse. Absolutely. Um but I think a big part of it is simply, I think of it as our uh, perspective. Yeah, that I am refining. I'm refining a movement. You know, if I were if I were learning a dance step, I would do it this way myself for myself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, doing it reverse, doing it reverse, doing it reverse, so that I really really get the movement yeah. and I wouldn't feel I'm punishing myself. I would and really feel I'm refining it. I'm really getting a feel for it. So and it, it would, would not... start to feel better, wouldn't it? Because the first time you, you try a dance step, it might feel a little clumsy, a little unfamiliar, a little awkward. But then as you rewind it and try again and rewind it, now you find it's like you find the sweet spot. Easier, It's easier and easier and easier to find the sweet spot that allows you to take that first step that just feels so fluid and easy 
and or you, the next you step see close. golfers do their swings over and over and over or yeah. tennis players redoing the movement over and over to refine it yes and as you reset and go again reset and go again there is a sweet spot that you can begin to identify it says ah it's you know let me take my step forward in this manner and you find it faster you find it uh more easily you uh know how to make the micro adjustments that bring you to that lovely let me start from here and go forward and and there's a, there's something else to that because there's again there's reset for the horse but there's also reset for you yes. and you know in the book there's a part that I really liked and it's the part about the drill team where you say well you should first do shoulder in alone oh yes yeah you so you know this because you can do that too with just before you get to your horse, because there's, again, you know, where there are many reasons why you should do it alone. And and I loved in the book because my office, my home office yeah. is on the, is on my, the second floor of my home. And so there's a rail right out in the corridor, you know, where the stairs yeah. are going down. And that's where I did my shoulder oh. and exercises on my own. Because you say to us, you know, you should walk it, walk the yes. drill team on your own before you go to your horse. And so you have us and and it's I'm going to maybe go somewhere else. So uh, hopefully we've it's said okay. enough about the resets because, you know, you you go into the explanation of what tracks the tracks are, how oh. to walk in the two tracks and three tracks. And that's something we haven't talked about, I think, on the podcast, have we? Maybe we should just take a few minutes to explain that. And as a matter of fact, I find that when I was walking along my rail here, as you suggested in the book, using the images that you suggested, because you, you suggested two images in, in the book. You said you can imagine yourself being one of the animals in the merry-go-round. I'm going to make you wait until next time to find out what merry-go-round horses have to do with training our real horses. Dominique is right. We're about to shift gears once again. We're going to talk about what it means to walk on two and then three tracks. But we're going to stop here for now and we'll pick up again next time in part three of our conversation with our continuation of the discussion of lateral work. At the very start of this episode, I announced that I've just published my new children's book, Edgar, the Bear Who Wanted to Be Real. This is the second book in the Kenyan Bear series. The first book is Teddy's to the Rescue. Both books were originally published in the late 1980s. In some ways, that seems like just yesterday, and in other ways, it was definitely a chunk of time ago. The bears in the stories were handmade by Jane Kenyon, a good friend, and the illustrations for the books were done by her son, Mark Kenyon. Mark and I originally created these books to be Christmas presents for both of our mothers. As I am reissuing the books, 
One of the fun things for me has been hearing from people who read the stories to their children when they first came out. They are looking forward now to being able to share the new additions with grandchildren. It would be lovely to hear from readers who remember reading the books as children or having the books read to them when they were very little. When Edgar first came out, a reader sent me this lovely comment. She wrote, Emma, age six, and I snuggled down with Edgar, the bear who wanted to be real, and read it straight through. When we finished, we felt wonderful and thought it was a very special and important thing that Edgar learned. Thank you for sharing. I look forward to sharing Edgar and the other Kenyan Bear books with a whole new generation of children. You can get the books through my website, theclickercenter.com, and you can also order them through Amazon. If you are ordering from outside the U.S., ordering from Amazon means you don't have to pay international shipping rates. And while you are shopping, do remember my new horse book, Modern Horse Training, and all the other training resources, including the online clinics that we've been talking about in this podcast. You can learn more about them in my website, theclickercenter.com. And if you are visiting Amazon, do please leave five-star reviews for all of the books. Your good reviews help others to find the books. So, train well and have fun with your horses.